open your Bibles, John chapter 4, we'll look at a couple verses from our first story today. Thank you for coming to the early service, and <coughs> so I, I've already got a head start of everybody, I've studied and preached, and so <laughs> uh, I may get my lesson mixed up with my sermon, but <coughs> anyway... Thank the Lord for his goodness. Don't need this one. Okay, we're talking about the wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. And uh, this has sort of been a testimonial. And today will be more of a testimonial. So I would save my bad testimony for the end so those of you won't think too badly of me and, and not come back. So <coughs> Last week we gave... Old Testament examples of God's grace. And if you're here for the first lesson, I said that the, to hear the average Christian, you'd think grace is just a New Testament doctrine. But the, <coughs> thank God for grace in the Old Testament. And we looked at that last week. And I looked at the four examples, and the, three examples, excuse me. And then today we'll look at three examples also. So... Our subject is the wonderful grace of Jesus. The New Testament is the revelation of his amazing grace. Amazing grace. What a wonderful song. What a wonderful thought. Uh, that would, Jesus would die for us, come to us. So we, the Old Testament is full of grace. And then we see in the New Testament the revelation of Jesus' grace. He was full of grace and truth. We'll talk about that thought again today. But Jesus was grace personified. Jesus is grace. So today we'll look at the lives of, in the New Testament he touched and the, and the stories of their lives. And there's so many that we'll just, I've just combined them in the three different uh, categories. But I'll read uh, uh, John chapter 4 and I'm going to read a, another verse and it's not on there but John chapter 4. And verse number 10 will get us going today. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And I've used uh, verse number 14 this week to tell someone about Jesus. But the if you got your Bibles there in John 4, 14, For whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And I'm just going through this so we can get the story. Most of you know it. We'll put it together in just a moment. And... Uh, the woman said in verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus said in her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And then verse number 39, this great conclusion of this story we're talking about today. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. And so today we're talking about God's New Testament example of grace, and first blank there is Jesus' amazing grace to sinners. Jesus' amazing grace to sinners. And I 
email my lessons and sermons to Linda after I get them typed and Beth emails me ba back to them. And I emailed this to Linda. I knew she was going to say it. She said, how come you talked about the ladies first before the men? <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, I knew it. I should have talked about the men first. But <laughs> so A is an example of four wicked women. <laughs> four wicked women. It <coughs> uh, seemed like Jesus was always uh, running across and saving wicked women. <coughs> Thank God Jesus saves wicked women. Amen? And uh, so... We'll talk about four wicked, wicked women today. But the wonderful thing is these uh, four wicked women are now trophies of God's grace. Trophies of God's grace. I tell you what, it's a wonderful blessing and privilege to be a trophy of God's grace. And there's a great responsibility to be a trophy of God's grace. If we're trophies of God's grace... We, uh, Paul said, I owe a debt. <laughs> Paul said, I'm debtor. Because Paul realized what Jesus did for him. And Paul owed a debt. And he spent the rest of his life paying that debt. Not the debt of sin. Uh, not legalism. But Paul said, I'm a trophy of God's grace. So I've got to do something about it. And so thank God for these women. So first of all, we see our example of the Samaritan woman. With the shameful past. The Samaritan woman with the shameful past. And many of us here, some of you who were saved when we were young, you don't have a s shameful past. And by the way, keep it that way. <laughs> Thank God you got saved when you are young. And <clears throat> you know, it's, it's no fun having a shameful past. Uh, God doesn't want us to have a shameful past. But I have a sh shameful past. But thank God that uh, the blood of Jesus washes away our shame also. And uh, thank God for this story. As I said about David last week, I hate to read the story of David when he fell into sin. I just wish that part wasn't in the Bible. I wish Psalm 51 wasn't in the Bible. Uh, but I'm glad it's in the Bible because if it wasn't in the Bible, I, I tell you, what, I wouldn't have the peace that I have this morning. I wouldn't know... That the David, the man after God's own heart, who broke God's heart, that God restored him, God forgave him. So thank God for that story. This is one, another one of those stories that we perhaps wish wasn't in the Bible. That's how we know it's the Bible, by the way. God doesn't sugarcoat it. God, doesn't, God tells the good. God tells the bad. Uh, because it's the word. If man had written it, you know, everybody be nice. Everybody be wonderful. And there'd be no problems. But this is God's book, so he tells it. But thank God for this story. So many applications we can make from this story. But uh, she had a shameful past. And Jesus came to her, started talking to her. And <coughs> Jesus said, if you only knew who I was, you would ask me. And uh, what if, the, if the world only knew who Jesus was, amen? If they just understood, as I was Talking to some Muslim men last night and walking away. You know, if they only knew, if they just knew who Jesus was, if they just weren't blind to that truth. I'll be quoting some words from a song in that in just a moment. But uh, she had a sinful past. But uh, Jesus went to Samaria. Mary, if you're familiar with the story, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go there. And, uh, and when he was going somewhere, but the 
most important thing, he knew that this woman would be there at the well. And some of you heard me preach and teach about this, one of my favorite sermons I preached from this text right here. But all eternity was planned for Jesus to be there at that well. I mean, eternity planned that. Uh, how did Jesus know this woman was going to be there at that well? Uh, how did Jesus time it so perfectly that he was there when the, she came there? Because he already knew it, and he was going to meet her there. And <clears throat> when you got saved and I got saved, Jesus was right there. He knew where we were going to be, and he was right there waiting on us. What a wonderful Savior we have. So Jesus appears to her. I was talking to a man fishing <coughs> at Lodi Lake. I love to walk around the lake and because uh, you get to preach to fishermen. I had on my shirt, those of you who came out for Mission Week saw my sh blue shirt I wear with the fish on it. <coughs> and so I walked up hoping that, that it would work. And uh, he said, I like your shirt. <laughs> and I said, well, Jesus, I said, wear the shirt because Jesus said, be fishers of men. So I started witnessing to him. And uh, he said, what so many people say when I talked about praying the sinner's prayer. <clears throat> I pray all the time. Every soul when he hears that. And so I, I was studying this lesson, had this in my mind. <clears throat> and I told him about the woman at the well. And I said, you don't pray all the time for forgiveness because when you drink that water, you never thirst again. And I told him this story here. And Jesus said to this woman, I've got water. i got something that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. Now why did he say that? Because this is a lady who kept thirsting and thirsting and thirsting and thirsting. Uh, she was uh, married five times. <coughs> we say that. Pastor Lukerman remembers me saying this at a lesson, I think, last year. <coughs> We say this woman was married and divorced five times, but the Bible doesn't say that. She may have killed all of her husbands. We don't know. <laughs> it just says she had five husbands. <laughs> doesn't say she divorced. Doesn't say if you say that. The Bible doesn't say that. We just assume that. <laughs> She'd probably been in jail if she had murdered them, so we, could, we assume that she was probably divorced five times. <clears throat> What's that a picture of? You know, we say, well, she's a terrible person. No, it was a person who kept drinking water that never satisfied. It was a person who kept trying to find things that never satisfied because she never met the one who could satisfy. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask. You would ask. And, you know, thank God we know who Jesus is. We can ask you know, whatever we need tomorrow. So thank you, Lord, for this uh, wonderful woman. And then the end of the story is uh, <coughs> Jesus says, uh, Jesus reveals all of her needs to her sin. A lot of things in here that the Holy Spirit didn't take time to tell us. But the woman went and told the men of the city, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. <laughs> How'd you like to be in that conversation? No wonder Jesus met her by herself. <laughs> if, if, if you're going to tell everything I've ever done, please do it by myself. <laughs> Please don't get me around somebody and start telling me everything I've ever done. Nobody wants that to happen. Amen? Uh, <coughs> this is free. That's why the Bible says, if you see your brother sin, go to your brother by yourself and tell your brother. <coughs> don't go tell the pastor first. Tell your brother first. <laughs> you know, Christians are so good at that. 
we know somebody's sinning, we go tell Pastor Luke instead of the person that, that's sinning. <coughs> no, we tell the person, we go to the person and make it privately. So that's what Jesus did to this woman. But this woman went and she <coughs> brought the whole city to Jesus. Brought the whole city. <coughs> oh, you can't serve God if you're in divorce. Well, this person was, this woman was really serving God. Amen. I can't be a soul winner, Pastor Mike. You don't know my past. Well, the greatest soul winner we have in the Bible, Nineveh, Jonah went and preached to Nineveh, a whole city got saved. This woman brought a whole city, that's more than I've ever done, brought a whole city uh, to Jesus. And so a lot of stories could be told of that. Some of you looking at me like a calf at a new gate. That's okay. Give you my testimony, a little bit of my testimony. This is where it began. But those of you who heard me talk for me know my dad left my mom when I was two. My dad divorced my mom, left my mom for a younger woman, left me and my two sisters. And we lived in the, even though we lived in Kentucky, we lived in cities, lived in a big city, then we moved to a smaller city. And I never went to church with my mom. You've heard this before. I never went to church with my mom one time in my life. Uh, I wasn't raised in church, and because of that, I ended up doing the things that I did. But after I got saved and started getting in church and started getting the Bible, all these things started happening to me. There was at least three churches that were with, within five minutes walking distance from our house. You could walk to three churches. There was a church at the end of our town, a church at the other end of town. And not one time did any any of those churches ever come to our house invite us to church. I don't know that I know that, why they didn't do that. But never did anybody come to invite us to church. So I made up my mind when the churches I've worked at, the churches I've pastored at, that nobody's going to live close to my church and not get invited to, to, to church. And if, if they had bus ministries in those days, perhaps I would rode the bus. I can't prove this. Maybe I'll get to heaven and find out, it really won't matter. But I have a suspicion that my mom was divorced, and that's why nobody came to our house and invited us to church, because it was such a stigma in those days. Well, thank God for the Bible. Thank God for Jesus. <laughs> and thank God my mother started going to church when I was in the Army, and it was because of my mother going to church that my wife and I got saved. So... Thank God for, for his blessings to us. So we see this woman with a shameful past. Jesus forgave her and used her. The next wicked woman is the woman caught in adultery. John 8, 10 through 11. I'm just going to paraphrase. You know the story. You know the verses. But the Pharisees, the Bible says, tempted Jesus. They tested Jesus. They brought this woman, said this woman was caught in adultery. She wasn't caught in adultery necessarily. She was set up. <laughs> they said that this whole thing was set up. I don't know how they tempted this woman, what they did, but the, it was a set up, and Jesus came, and they said the law says that you should, this woman should be stoned to death, and Jesus didn't disagree with the law, by the way, because that is what the law said. And they caught him, uh, you know, they, they trapped, entrapped him with his own word which is what people who try to trap you do. They try to use the Bible to trap you. They try to use what you 
know it's true to trap you. Anyway, you know the story. Jesus bent down on the ground. He started riding. And that's a whole uh, uh, great imagination there we could do. What did Jesus write? Uh, they said the law says. So perhaps Jesus was writing down some laws that they had broken. Uh, perhaps Jesus was writing down their own sin. He knew their sin. And uh, whatever he was writing on the ground, <laughs> they all left. They got out of there. And if, if somebody started writing in the sand, I like to write in the sand when I go to the beach. If somebody started writing in the sand sins that only I knew I did, I'd be getting out of there also. So whatever they, Jesus wrote down, these men got out of there. And Jesus said, <laughs> looked around, said, where are your accusers? She said, none, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. And again, I think that was the day that uh, that lady's life was changed. I think that was the day that she met the Savior. And when we get to heaven, we're probably going to find out. Uh, she probably brought another city to Jesus. Who knows? But thank God for this, for Jesus' grace. That's what we're talking about, his example. And then the next <coughs> wicked woman is Mary Magdalene, who was possessed with seven, seven demons. I preached this at camp. <coughs> Josh, remember that? Mary was one of our characters that we preached about on a Sunday morning. What a marvelous character study to do on Mary Magdalene. But I made the application that uh, I believe that I had demons uh, before I knew Jesus. And there's probably a good chance that everybody has a demon, possessed by demons, before they know Jesus. But this woman had seven demons. She had seven demons, and Jesus cast them out. And I, I have no excuse for things that I've done in my past, but I am convinced I could not have done what I've done without demon possession. It had to be demon possession. So I know a little bit what demons can do to you. I'm convinced that the people we see doing the wicked things they're doing is demon possession. There's no way people could be so mean and cruel and murderous and killing and robbing and hatred without demon possession. So... Uh, people are still possessed with demons. This woman was possessed with demons. But Jesus cast the demons out of her. And I love the uh, conclusion of her life. Mark 16 reminds us that when, <coughs> that the, when Jesus rose from the grave, that Mary was the first person <laughs> that Jesus came to. The first person. Tell you what, that's a trophy of God's grace, isn't it? And uh, there's reasons why Mary, Jesus came to Mary first, but uh, uh, we'll see in just a second, at least my, my thought on that. But uh, what a trophy of God's grace. That Here's this wicked woman. She had seven demons. Whatever she did, I don't know. Some would say she was a prostitute. We don't know that. But uh, she had seven demons. She was wicked. Jesus cast the demons out. He appealed to her first. And uh, those of you who were at camp remember me saying, Mary was the first person to get to say Jesus rose from the grave. <laughs> wow. The first person to get to say Jesus rose from the grave. Tell you what, that's a wonderful privilege. Uh, how'd you like to be the first person that said Jesus rose from the grave? Yeah, so wonderful. So the, <laughs> the, next, the next wicked woman is the prostitute. And I put that in parentheses because we don't know she was a prostitute. <laughs> But that she was at, this Pharisee had 
Jesus over. Simon the Pharisee had Jesus over for dinner. And, <clears throat> of course, in those days, you know, it was a, like a public event. You didn't go in somebody's house and just be in a room. It was an open thing, sort of like being in India or any, any other third world country if you've been to. So this, this wicked lady had come to the dinner, and the Bible tells us there that she <coughs> wiped her, uh, his, his feet with her hair. She kept, kept kissed his feet. She put this ointment on his feet, expensive ointment, and uh, wiped his feet with her hair and, and kissed his feet. And the Pharisee, <coughs> you know, was looking at this. The woman had a bad reputation. We know that because the Pharisee said if, if he was really the son of God, if he's really who he said he was, he would know this was a sinful woman and he wouldn't be letting a sinful woman do that. And, of course, Jesus blew his mind because Jesus proved he was God. Jesus knew what he was thinking. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, I came into your house. You didn't anoint my feet. You didn't kiss my feet. You didn't, you didn't do what this, you didn't show love to me like this woman did. And then Jesus said those remarkable words. Uh, Jesus said to the woman and to the Pharisee with the, with the woman listening there, Jesus said, uh, she, has, she loves me much because she's been forgiven much. So again, what a beautiful picture of God's grace. I can't prove this, but I like to think that this also was Mary Magdalene. I, I believe this was Mary Magdalene who, uh, who did this. And I think that's why she was the first one at the tomb, because she loved Jesus so much for forgiving her. So thank God for these four uh, wicked women who are testimonies of Jesus Christ. And the thing about every one of these women, we can't prove it with the woman caught in adultery, but knowing the scriptures, we can pretty much conclude that all these women became trophies of Jesus Christ. Their lives were changed. They lived for Jesus. And I get my notes are just because I was thinking about one time, take time to give all this testimony. But thank God for the women in my life. Thank God for the women in my life. Thank God for my mother. She had a nervous breakdown from my dad leaving her. I couldn't live with her. Uh, but to thank God that uh, she started going to church, and God used that. To, I wouldn't be standing here today. God used that. Thank God for that. Thank God for my praying mother-in-law, who uh, who been praying, prayed for Linda and I when we were living in sin and wicked hippies, prayed for us. Thank God for my older sister who took me in when I was ten years old, and uh, and became took all the responsibilities of being a mother to me. Uh, thank God for my wife Linda. And when Linda got saved, she said uh, she came home. She said, I, I got saved. I asked Jesus in my heart. She took my mother to church, by the way, and heard the gospel and got saved. She goes, I'm going to live for Jesus. You can do what you want to do, but I'm living for Jesus. And we're talking about somebody who smoked cigarettes, who smoked pot, who took drugs, who was, uh, <coughs> I'm glad this is, she isn't going to hear this. <laughs> she would have. By her own confession, she would have said, I was, I was a wicked woman. But that, when she came home that day and said, I'm going to live for Jesus, she has done it for 47 years. For 47, she hasn't missed a heartbeat for 47 years. And uh, 
it's because of her that I'm standing here today. <laughs> it's because of her getting on fire for Jesus. So thank God for his amazing grace. Amen. Amen. These, <laughs> these women who are a testimony of that. Okay, B is an example of <clears throat> four sinful men. Undeserving of grace, but God, but, but, <laughs> but they met the one full of grace. They were undeserving of grace, but they met the one full of grace. And these are all familiar to us, but first of all was the thief on the cross. Luke 23, 39 through 43. <coughs> Jesus <coughs> was hanging next to the thief on the cross. One thief mocked Jesus. And, <coughs> and that's a, so typical of people, isn't it? When we go out soul winning, we find one person mocking and a uh, Last night I <coughs> just uh, had a good experience, but a bad experience. I talked to three teenagers, and I was witnessing them. They just started laughing, started laughing. <coughs> I don't know if they thought their laughing would uh, intimidate me. I felt bad. I just kept, <laughs> I just kept right on preaching, right on going through it. Just and <coughs> and at the end of it, they all bowed and prayed in their hearts and asked Jesus in their heart. But uh, it's a Amazing how one person will mock and the other person will be serious. And the same was when Jesus died on the cross. The one thief understood that Jesus was who he was. And he said, the Lord, remember me today when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That one story <coughs> has been uh, so used to help people to understand about salvation by grace. Well, thank God that story is in there. Uh, so many Church of Christ people, I've told, <laughs> if you got to get baptized to go to heaven, then the thief on the cross didn't get saved. <laughs> so many Baptists, I've told, if you got to give up all your sin and join the church, then the thief on the cross didn't get saved. Uh, so many legalists, I've told, if you've got to do speaking tongues, <laughs> then the thief on the cross did Thank God, in his dying moments, he got saved. I've told many Catholics, you don't have to have the priest come and give you the last rites. You could be dying and call out on Jesus, and he'll save you. That little story, right, this one story, so much doctrinal implications and truth. So thank God for this story that this thief on the cross got saved while he was dying. And, and thank God he was next to the greatest person there was when he was dying, Jesus. Okay, then we have the example of Saul, Saul, the hater of Jesus, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, who would then later become Paul the Apostle. Again, just that little, how God set that whole thing up. Just the changing of his name uh, preaches grace. Paul the Apostle, we call him, instead of Saul the persecutor. And Saul gives his uh, testimony in the book of Acts chapter 26 when he's standing before King Agrippa. And he tells King Agrippa, this is what happened to me, King Agrippa. I was persecuting the church, I thought, but the God spoke to me from heaven. The Lord spoke. I asked, who you are, you God? And God said, Jesus. <laughs> and that's a great verse for the deity of Christ. And, and Paul said, Jesus saved me, and Jesus put me in the ministry, and allow me to preach about the one I used to hate. What, what a picture of God's grace. 
that God would let somebody who did what Paul did uh, serve him and preach about Jesus Christ. Again, I shared with you this. This is a good soul winning tool. Uh, people who are just bad dudes and ugly people and atheists and people who hate the church, people who hate Christians. I like to tell them that uh, you'd make a great Christian okay? <laughs> because it's been people like you who ended up being the greatest Christians that ever lived. Paul's the great, great example of that. So don't give up on anybody because God hasn't given up on them. And then the next, the next man sinful man that I picked out to share about is the Philippian jailer. What a beautiful picture there. This Philippian jailer who took two preachers, Paul and Silas, put them in prison. And the Bible says there that, that uh, he had beaten them with a whip because later he would, that same jailer would uh, wash the sores on their body where he may. But when the jail, when God opened the jail so they could escape, uh, the jailer was going to kill himself, and Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We haven't left yet. And then the jailer, <coughs> under, jailer, was, jailer was listening to the songs that Paul and Silas were singing. He was probably cursing, but then after this happened, he probably remembered those words they were singing, and the, whatever they said, he understood it, and he said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, but thank God it doesn't stop there, and thy house. What a picture of God's grace, and thy house. Thank God that Jesus saved me and Linda and our house. <laughs> our daughters are saved, our granddaughters are saved, our son-in-laws are saved, my sisters are saved. Uh, when Jesus saves a man, he saves his whole house, Amen. When Jesus saves a young man, he saves his own house. And when Pastor Luke got saved when he was a boy, he didn't know he'd have six kids that were saved and be serving the Lord. I tell you, the grace of God just doesn't stop. just keeps right on going. So some of you that are here and you're saved and you're young, uh, God saved your whole house. One day you're going to see that. Those of us who got saved when we were adults, only by the grace of God, uh, should any of us be able to say this, but we're saved and our house is saved, our family is saved. Thank you, Lord, for that picture. Then the last person I put here, a man named Michael. Michael's not in the Bible. Michael is me. <laughs> uh, thank God for his amazing grace in saving this man named Michael. <laughs> And I'll give you just, again, a few of my testimony I could give, stay here for a, a day and talk about this. First of all, he blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Again, these are things I didn't know until I became a Christian and got in the Bible. I didn't know how messed up my life was. But when I was a teenager, uh, a, a girlfriend invited me to church. Brother Nick said he always loves the story I tell every time I tell it when I was the two girls picked me up when I was in the army. My friend, they took us to church. So when I was a teenager, a girl took me to church. It was a Nazarene church. I don't know what was said, but I know the gospel must have been preached. Because as just a 15, 16-year-old teenager, my heart was so hardened that I was squeezing the pew 
couldn't wait to get out of there because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. I, so the gospel must have been, the Holy Spirit was convicting me to go forward. I think it was at a revival service. And I walked away from that church that night and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit convicted me. The Holy Spirit told me I need Jesus. And I didn't understand it all at that time. But when I, got, when I came to Jesus, the frightening, it was a frightening feeling to realize that I almost walked away from God. And for, every, for everyone like me, there's a thousand who never get another chance. Not because of what God won't give them to them, but it's a dangerous thing to say no to Jesus. It's, and that's why people don't perhaps agree or understand my method of soul winning. But when you're witnessing to somebody, that's the closest probably they'll ever come to getting saved. That's the closest they'll ever come. And so if somebody thinks I'm buttonholing somebody by saying, you know, you need to pray right now. You need to get yourself. I know the consequences of saying no to Jesus. I know the danger of turning Jesus away. They may never get another chance. And I like to tell people, you know, I don't know this is going to happen, but if you died tonight and you don't receive Jesus, but anyway, they don't understand all about that. But anyway, I do. Thank God for his mercy. I live for the devil. Romans 6.20, Paul said, What fruit had you in those, in those things you were ashamed of? And you wasted your life on things you were ashamed of. I wasted, I lived for the devil. Literally lived for, lived for the devil. I didn't know it all the time. But my life was lived for the devil. But thank God, I was found by Jesus. And I didn't find Jesus. And by the way, you didn't find Jesus either. <laughs> and you say, I found you. No, you didn't find you. He found you. <laughs> you, didn't have, you didn't have enough sense to find Jesus. You didn't have enough conviction to find Jesus. And you weren't good enough to find Jesus. Jesus found us. He came where we were. He sent somebody to tell us. He, he put us at church so we could hear the sermon. He gave us parents who could share the gospel. He found me. Thank you, Jesus, for, fi for finding me. Okay, then we'll go through these real quickly. Jesus' amazing grace for his servants. Uh, again, these all apply to what, we just, what we've talked about the last few weeks. Um, God's uh, saving grace, serving grace, uh, sanctifying grace, and suffering grace. Thank you, Brother Luke. All right. Thank God for a person who's got a good memory. All right, you're listening, too. Okay, we have the example of the Apostle Peter. Again, you can read all these verses later. But uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, he said that the disciples said, you're going to deny me. And Peter always sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter said, oh, not me. I'll never deny you. He was the first one to do it. <coughs> we need to be careful about boasting. Amen. He was the first one to, to, to deny him. The Bible says he denied Jesus and went out and he wept. He wept bitterly. And then Matthew chapter 26, 73 through 75 said all the disciples deserted Jesus when he was, came time to be crucified. They all deserted him and fled. But the amazing grace of Jesus in John 21, Jesus recalled Peter. He said, Peter, if you love, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. He recommissioned people. He re recalled him reordained him as it were that that's grace and then the example of the other 10 apostles Matthew 26 56 says they all deserted him 
But in Acts 4.33, Jesus uh, used all the apostles. He blessed them. He allowed them to preach. I think of the Apostle Thomas. It's not in your notes, but John chapter 20. Apostle Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see the, the hole in his side and the nail prints. And Jesus, in his grace, came back eight days later, said, here, Thomas. And Thomas gave, made that great profession. And he fell on his knees, said, my Lord and my God. And thank God for Thomas. He went to India to be a missionary. So he, he's no longer the doubting Thomas. He, he's the missionary Thomas, the, the great confessing Thomas. And then uh, we won't go to number three today, but the, we'll at least finish this point. We have the example of the Apostle Paul, as we just mentioned. Ephesians 3, verse 7, and then verse number 8. You need to put that down and read it later. Paul said he was allowed to preach the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. He was allowed to preach Jesus. The one who hated Jesus, the one who persecuted Christians, uh, became the greatest preacher that we ever know. That's wonderful grace. And then the example of the church. This should be 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, by the way. Not 1 Timothy. So I'll read that since you don't have it on the thing there. 2 Timothy 1, 9. This is you and I. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was before given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We are those people. We are the ones who were saved by God's grace. We didn't deserve salvation. Uh, we don't deserve to serve him. We don't deserve all these blessings. But God saved us. And look what God's done for us. Look how God has given us his mercy and his grace. That we'd be able to enjoy these benefits. Again, as Titus chapter 3 verse 5 through 7 says, We are saved and were made heirs. He saved us made us joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. So we have all these wonderful New Testament examples of grace. And anybody who could, could read the New Testament and, denout, and uh, deny God's grace uh, must be blind, that's for sure. So thank God for uh, all these examples. And let's pray and ask God to Help us with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask a question today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.